Hello, and welcome to the inaugural SourceCred podcast. I'm your host, Seth Benton. I'm here with my co-host, Miguel Andrade, and today we're interviewing Dandelion, founder and project lead for the SourceCred project. We had a really interesting conversation. I found out a lot about Dandelion, the history of the project, where they think it's going, and whether or not we're accidentally creating a Black Mirror episode. I really enjoyed this conversation and hope you do too. Welcome, Dandelion. Hey, thanks, Seth. Uh, can you maybe just tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you came to found SourceCred? Uh, sure. So I've been I've been working in open source uh, for a long time. Uh, basically, actually, all of my all of my jobs since college have been working as a software engineer with a very strong open source component. Uh, and I've also been interested in reputation networks uh, for a long time, and in, in particular, this idea that like if we just had better information on sort of who we can trust, who has credibility, it would allow us, allow humans to collaborate a lot better with less recourse to kind of powerful institutions that are intermediating, but then also also controlling a lot of what we do along the way. Uh, and about a year and a half ago, in February of last year, I was talking with Juan Benet, who is the CEO and founder of Protocol Labs, uh, about how he felt it would be really like fair for cryptocurrency projects to be giving large amounts of the cryptocurrencies that they generate to open source contributors, both in the projects themselves and in the project's dependencies. Uh, so in the case of you know Ethereum, you might think, okay, Ethereum depends on Go uh, a lot for their clients. So maybe they should be helping fund Go developers. And when you start to really think about this problem, you immediately have an issue where it's very difficult to figure out who should actually be getting these tokens and how much they should get, essentially how to value contributions in open source. And the idea for SourceCred was kind of born in that conversation of trying to understand how can we like measure and recognize and reward open source contributors. Great, and I, I think I, I, I speak for myself, but I think it's, it's working pretty amazingly so far. Um, but can you maybe uh, tell us uh, like how the project came to uh, this point? Uh, sure. So, you know, it's a matter of history and in, in actually very late January of 2018, I have this conversation with Juan uh, and I have this idea that all of these like page rank based reputation network ideas that I've been kicking around in my head for many years uh, could be applied to this issue. And we could sort of look at uh, open source collaboration as a graph, as a network of people who are relating to each other, but also people who are relating to contributions and contributions that are relating to each other. And then we could try to value those contributions based on uh, how they depend on each other using this page rank algorithm. We can talk about it a bit more later. Uh, and I, I was just kind of in a fugue of passion for a week, where just every day I would think about this idea and become more like uncomfortably excited about it. And by the end of the week, I was I was like, sending people emails being like i'm about to like start this thing like can you like you know drop everything this weekend for a hackathon i think this is going to be so important uh so i actually, actually got kind of into a bit of a manic state uh but as the mania cooled i was left with this conviction that uh, i really wanted to work on SourceCred. and at the time i was working at google uh and i actually talked to google for a little while about the idea of them funding it uh because they, they some people within google were pretty excited about this idea as well uh, but I felt that the the underlying ideology here is actually very anti-corporate. Uh, I think that if open source developers were more empowered to just work on their passion projects, but still get paid, 
uh, we would be in a world that had a lot less brilliant people working on ad targeting and a lot more brilliant people working on like really kind of empowering free tools. Uh, and then Juan from aforementioned Protocol Labs was also very excited about this project. So I, I got funding from them uh, to start it up. And at the time, uh, I have this really brilliant collaborator named William, uh, who kind of decided to join, take take a six-month uh, hiatus from accepting his Google offer to help set up the source code infrastructure. Uh, and since then, it's just been like kind of a slow and steady process of building up the project and community. Yeah. So, uh, so how long exactly uh, has source uh, cred been under development now? Uh, so the development started in the in February of last year. So it's been about a year and a half now. Okay. And it, it seems like from looking at the cred scores, there was a couple distinct phases. Uh, like there's in the beginning, you can see you and William are just going at it and creating lots of infrastructure. And then maybe like a little bit of a pause. And then recently things have sort of picked up. Does that sound about right? I think that's exactly right. Uh, and I think it's it's really interesting to look at the different phases of development as kind of changing perspectives on what it will take to make SourceCred successful. Uh, in the beginning, I really believed in the power of the algorithm. Uh, I would say kind of in contrast to the power of the community. And William and I were building this really like good technical infrastructure basically really good data structures for being able to represent uh, credit graphs and credit networks. Uh, we had we had this whole, like, we, we spent about three months building the project. And then at the end of three months, we realized that our core abstraction, the source grid graph, was actually really poorly thought out. And it was going to be a kind of long-term disaster if we were kept on building on this bad foundation. And so we took at least a solid month, but it might have been more like six weeks, where we just rewrote the entire project essentially to change the core abstraction. Uh, and then by the end of, of uh, November of last year, we had a lot of the pieces in place. We had this plugin system, we had the graph, we had the page rank system, but uh, we didn't have any real users or usage of source cred. It was kind of just a prototype that you'd run an open source projects and uh, get a score. And then you'd look at the score and be like, oh, okay, that's like vaguely cool, I guess. And then move on to the rest of your life. Uh, and at that point, William left the project to go and join Google, as he had been planning to do from the start. Uh, and I think that that was sort of the like wandering in the desert period of SourceCred, where I no longer had my collaborator and I was kind of trying to figure out where to go with the project. Uh, and I think that for the, the months after that, really like not very much happened. Um, and then just in the past like several months, uh, I think we've really started to get momentum back again. And for me, a really big shift has been I'm no longer prioritizing the vision of SourceCred as an algorithm, first and foremost. I'm thinking of SourceCred as a community tool that is trying to empower communities to like collaborate in new ways uh, that happens to involve an algorithm. And as part of that, the, the focus now is really shifting away from building SourceCred for other projects to use and towards building SourceCred for SourceCred community itself to dog food on. Uh, and so that's where we've got a lot of things like the cred experiment. We're actually experimenting with paying people in the source cred community uh, based on their own scores. And I think that's really transformed source cred into something that uh, is a lot more real, is a lot more tangible, is actually like affecting people uh, in a way that gives us a lot of opportunity to learn about how the system works, to try and find its edge cases, and to try to improve it. Right. And so uh, full disclosure, uh, I am participating in this cred experiment. 
Uh, although uh, I, I think for, I've been contributing for several months now and my total payout is uh, $120. So uh, I, haven't, I haven't been corrupted uh, yet and uh, you know, I can't be bought that cheaply. But uh, so I, like, I'm, I am kind of curious about how you think that this experiment is going. Uh, it's been, what, a couple of months now since people have, have been, money's been flowing through SourceCred? Uh, it's been interesting. I think it's, I think it's going very well with certain provisos. Uh, I was extremely cautious turning on the cred experiment because of the awareness that having uh, money in the mix um, is is going to be like incendiary in certain ways. Uh, that it can like create a lot of tension. It can bring out a lot of bad behaviors in people. And so for that reason, we started the cred experiment with a very small payout of like five hundred dollars a week. Uh, of which a lot of it was like allocated to William and I, since we had such a long history of working on the project. Although uh, we both committed to not actually fund out from this credit experiment. Um, and so I think now, like I've seen that on the one hand, people are really enthusiastic about it. It's made people want to contribute more. It's made people see more of a long-term future for themselves in kind of prioritizing source credit as something they put effort into. Uh, and, you know, I, I, Think, agree with you that $120 is way too cheap to like really be buying uh, contributors like attention and engagement. Uh, and that's why I'm planning in the coming months to start to ramp up the cred experiment a lot in terms of its funding level. Uh, the other thing that it's done is it's really revealed the weaknesses of the algorithm and the cases where we need more powerful tools to kind of guide the flow of cred. And I think this this podcast episode is a good example where I think this is a really like high leverage thing for the project. It's going to be really valuable to start to have artifacts we can share with the rest of the world that give a lot of context on what source cred is and where it's going. And we need to make sure that source cred does a good job of recognizing that value. And that's going to involve more tool building. Right, so, uh, you know, so actually like uh, I am plugging my own podcast on my own podcast then because this this could lead to more cred and more money down the line, hopefully, uh, and 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 hopefully uh, a, a a weird dystopian voting vote buying game doesn't ensue, uh, <laughs> whereby whereby this or other projects get unfairly funded. I, I think it's really interesting you brought up like dystopian vote buying games. I've been spending a lot of time thinking and looking at other social systems because uh, I think at its, at its core, source credit is an attempt to define a new social system. Uh, for deciding who has status, who has power, for, who gets resources within a community. And it's based on, I think, what are fundamentally more egalitarian ideals than a lot of other systems. Uh, I, I think an ideal contrast would be the military. You know, military has a really set command and control top-down system where there's like the generals in charge and the general tells the colonels exactly what to do and the colonels tell the majors exactly what to do. Uh, and I think SourceCred, in contrast, is trying to build something that's much more open source native, where kind of everyone has some amount of cred that's based on how they've been involved with the project. And everyone can kind of put their credibility behind boosting initiatives they think are important, behind making sure the different parts of the project get recognition. Uh, and I hope that that will create a lot more of an even power dynamic. But if you look through history, there have been plenty of social systems that have been designed with great intentions that then uh, succumb to unintended incentive dynamics that they create. As I think part of the challenge of source cred and part of the challenge of this cred experiment is to be prototyping an incentive system live, but then also using the information we get and the incentives within the system to change uh, the system itself. 
And so I think there, there's a sense in which metaphorically right now we're a train, you know, we're, we're a steam locomotive on the rail track that the train, the train is actually a combination train slash like rail layer. And it's like trying to lay its own rails as it moves forwards. And the reason we're starting the credit experiment very slow is because it's sort of a weird and dangerous thing to be doing to be like prototyping your new rail laying thing while it's actually riding on its own rails. And you're talking about you're talking about a power of the power of community there. It sounds like a governance problem. Like who has the power in this in this credit experiment right now? Uh, I would agree that it's like that governance is really the core of it. And as far as we think of governance is like, how do we decide who has influence, who has power, who gets to make decisions and how those decisions get made? Uh, I think right now, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm the self-appointed, uh, benevolent dictator of source cred at the moment. Uh, I see that very much as a temporary situation. You know, I think if, if source cred still has a benevolent dictator in a few years, then it means the system is really not developing in the way that we hoped. Uh, and I think we're still figuring out how to best incorporate, like the cred scores right now, if you go to sourcecred.io slash prototype, I think if you go to sourcecred.io, you see a link to the prototype and that has source creds currently canonical cred and th those are the scores that we are paying people based of uh, and i feel pretty good about those so i think if they continue to work well hopefully we'll be able to move the source cred project itself away from this like trusted dictatorship model of governance and towards some style of like cred weighted voting maybe where we like elect an executive who's running the project something like this uh, but it's all still early in the experiment Okay, it's on the record, Dandelion. If you become a tyrant, we're gonna use this against you. You know, I've actually been kind of deliberately writing posts. Like if, if you were to go and scour, uh, if I become a tyrant, you will already find lots of posts in the discourse that will undermine my position as tyrant. I think I've been leaving myself little like deliberate landmines here and there that you can like easily cite uh, to, to call me out if I become the source code tyrant. Well, we we hope it doesn't come to that. So far, so far, uh, the the experience has been great from my perspective. Yeah, like the, this whole this whole project seems kind of like a way to navigate between. You know, you talked about in the beginning, you believed in the power of the algorithm, right? Which is like like the the Silicon Valley dream uh, for a lot of people. Now you've moved on into the power of community, but it's like a rock in the hard place between like the totalitarianism of the algorithm and the totalitarianism of the of the community. Uh, and it seems like source cred is kind of like a tool that you're trying to build in order to navigate between those two extremes. Yeah, I think I, I wouldn't even quite so much frame it as navigating between the extremes uh, so much as trying to find complementarity between them. Uh, the issue with community, I think, is that uh, it's really hard to scale human relationships and human trust. And so if source cred were going to stay, you know, right now we've got uh, like maybe eight people in this room. Uh, if source code were to stay at a size similar to this, then we wouldn't need a really fancy algorithm. We could just kind of all know each other, all have good visibility in what everyone else is working on, and then kind of collectively come to fairer decision making, I think. Uh, it's once you start to scale to 100 people, to 1,000 people, to 10,000 people, to a million people, where you need more formal systems to get any kind of uh, legibility. And that's where I, I essentially want SourceCred to like help communities grow to larger scales in a way that is still healthy, uh, is still maintaining like social trust, is still maintaining the ability for everyone to feel recognized based on the, the people who have seen the contributions they've made. Right. And so, and this leads into my next question, which is uh, how does this not become some dystopian nightmare? Uh, uh, we we were recently talking about the uh, the Black Mirror episode Nosedive. 
Have you seen this episode and what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to give a little bit of a plot summary of Nosedive, which I read, I've watched quite recently uh, and has been kind of a re reverse inspiration for me in thinking about source grad, which is valuable. Uh, so the plot of Nosedive, there's a young woman uh, and what you immediately learn about her society is that everyone is perpetually rating each other. Just kind of every social interaction ends with a little flick on their phone that sets the rating between one and five stars. And these ratings have become really integrated into the fabric of society. So they matter a lot. You know, whether you have a high rating will determine what kind of jobs you can get, uh, what kind of housing you can live in, what kind of like cars you can rent at the rental place, uh, whether they're going to help you book a replacement flight at the airline or whether you're just shit out of luck. And it's also clearly a dystopian society where everyone has been kind of reduced to their most superficial attributes. Uh, through this process of rating, where it's just like, you know, how good are your Instagram photos? That's going to determine your place in society. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the vision that I have is to kind of have a world where reputation networks are helping us structure a lot of our relationships with other people. Uh, but it's, it's a compelling instance of this taken to its dystopian conclusion. Uh, and so I've thought about what kind of properties in Nosedive make the system so terrible. I think there are a few. One is that it's a single global system. Uh, people cannot have different perspectives. You know, I can't think that it's impossible for me to think that you're like a really cool, really trustworthy person uh, and someone else to really like dislike you or think you cut them off in traffic without the two being forced to like reconcile through a single rating. Whereas what I would like to see is networks of different reputation where it's contextual, where like I may have a really good opinion of you as a technical writer or as a source code contributor. I might have no opinion of you as a fusion dancer or as like a good neighbor because that's just not in my scope of experience. And source cred is very deliberately designed to not be a single monolithic reputation system, but rather to be a sort of patchwork quilt of community operated systems. So source cred will give a cred score to people who are contributing to source cred. And then a different project or a different context will have a totally different instance of source cred that maybe is using different data, that maybe has different people kind of influencing the parameter selections. Uh, and, and I think that when you try to go towards one size fits all solution, then you're on a pretty good track towards dystopia because people lose the freedom to say the system isn't working for them and either opt out or create a new version of it. Uh, I would also say that in Nosedive, it's really short-term oriented. So in the space of a single day, uh, the, the main character's reputation gets trashed and she's kind of like removed from being an accepted member of society just based on like a single sort of breakdown, essentially. And in contrast, source cred is really deliberately designed to have long-term incentives. So you kind of build up cred over a long history of contributions. And then if you're getting paid through a source cred system, that payment is not based so much on like, what have you done for me lately, but more on what has your role been in the community over the long term. Thirdly, there's no accountability in the nosedive system. Uh, people can give you a one-star rating just because they like, you know, didn't like the look you gave them or you accidentally bumped into them in the hallway. And when you have these power relationships where you have the ability to rate other people, uh, you really need accountability as well. You really need a way to contest it. You really need clear frameworks for what is like an appropriate way to use that system. Uh, and I think that for source cred, we're, this is still something we're really working on, but I think that accountability in the ratings is going to be really important. 
Uh, that's why right now at the technical level, we're ensuring the system is built around transparency, where everyone can see the full history, everyone can see every interaction that went into it. And then people can even produce their own perspectives, like changing the weights, like adding new heuristics. Uh, and I think that makes for a system that's much more accountable to everyone who's participating in it, uh, because everyone has the freedom to kind of fork it, make a new version, you know, publish like counter cred. Uh, finally, uh, there was a finally that I thought was an important one, and I just lost track of it. Um, so in, in the episode itself also, um, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but there are no definitions for what is a good interaction in between people. So if I'm buying coffee from you, uh, subjectively, uh, I might think that the, the best outcome of this interaction might just be that we don't really uh, engage with each other too much. I get my coffee. I'm polite to you. Somebody else might really want a smile and might want me to ask you about your dog that I know about or something, you know, just kind of the, want chit chat. Uh, and, and it sounds like with SourceCred and with SourceCred, there are, uh, there, are, there are parameters that you can switch and there are ways to kind of wait what is a good interaction with this community and with the system. Who, who defines that or like where is the power for defining what a good uh, contribution uh, is to a, to a community within SourceCred? So this gets into a uh, SourceCred is essentially a like core like protocol for being able to express certain kinds of interactions, certain kind of contributions in a structured way. And it's really agnostic about what those contributions are or how they'll be valued. Uh, so right now, the kinds of contributions that SourceCred is aware of are GitHub interactions. So like people changing the source code of SourceCred itself and discourse interactions. Uh, so people posting new threads and posting replies and quoting people on our online forum. Uh, but those are just two plugins that we've added. In principle, you could have basically any kind of data, whether it's stuff that's manually entered, whether it's stuff that came from Twitter, whether it's stuff that came from like workflows we don't even imagine yet. And similarly, and every community is in control of deciding how they use it and what data sources they want to integrate. Uh, we have a planned system called heuristics which allows you to kind of define rules that like boost uh, or like diminish certain contributions. So as trivial examples, we can imagine having a heuristic like uh, pull requests that have a test plan included in the description, get more cred, or pull requests that only change a single line of code, get less cred. And again, that would be up to every community to configure and potentially to add new heuristics. Uh, what, it, what I kind of systematically want to avoid is a situation where as the source cred creators, we are like making those decisions for other people because I think that decisions about like status in a community, decisions about values within a community should really done be done locally within the community itself. So right now they're they're being decided uh, within this benevolent dictatorship that we're that we're living in in SourceCred. Um, what what kind of how, how do you imagine communities kind of like choosing together how to how to how to how to define those heuristics? That's a good question. Uh, I think I kind of I, I kind of have this idea of cred weighted voting. Um, or maybe there, there have been a lot of really interesting research lately on voting systems. And it turns out the system of voting we're all really familiar with, where it's like every person gets one vote, and then you elect a representative, and maybe you know whoever gets the most votes wins the local election, and so forth. Uh, is kind of one of the simplest of voting designs, and it's maybe not the most optimal. 
there are idea proposals like quadratic voting that it turns out you have really like solid mathematical foundations for assigning voting power based on how much conviction someone feels on an issue. Uh, there are also ideas for what's being called momentum or conviction voting, where your vote increases in strength the longer you hold the same position. And so I, I kind of want to do a lot of experiments around these on like trying to set the parameters in source code. But I think it will require a lot of not just experimentation, but also kind of deep uh, theorizing about what kind of incentives are going to come up in the system, what kind of power dynamics are likely. We could imagine, for example, that a year from now, uh, all the people who are like active in source code right now will have a lot of cred in source code because they're the old contributors. And they will have the most cred and they may want to vote for parameter choices that cause old contributors to have a lot more cred than new contributors. Uh, I think this is a very common dynamic that gets expressed a lot across different organizations where there's an old guard that wants to consolidate power. And so I think that we are going to need to think about those issues as they come up and try to uh, sort of follow the categorical imperative where act as though we're not just making this decision for source code itself, but we are setting precedents and creating guidelines that other communities will follow. And I think in a sense that gives us a lot of ethical responsibility to be like foresightful in those decisions. I just remember the, the fourth thing that is different from nosedive, and I think it's actually a really big thing, so I wanna bring attention to it, which is in nosedive, people are rating each other directly, uh, which is a really personal and really fraught thing to do just from an emotional perspective. And right now, SourceCred doesn't have, uh, basically doesn't have any mechanisms where you can like rate people directly. What happens is we're evaluating contributions. So I can say, ah, you know, this pull request didn't like meet our expectations because it had a bug. And I'm not saying you did not meet our expectations because you're a bad coder. I'm just saying this pull request doesn't receive a lot of cred. Uh, and I think that focusing on the contribution and not on the person both makes it a kind of more like, I hope it will make it a more emotionally safe system for folks. Uh, and will also make it more, more accountable and less prone to just like people hate regrading on each other, et cetera. So uh, this brings me to my next question, which is, let's say we get everything right and uh, source cred is a big success and makes the world a better place. Uh, in other words, the, the utopian version. Um, like how, how do you imagine uh, the utopian version of source cred? Uh, the, the kind of utopian, like, you know, really big success for source cred, I see as a fundamental shift in the way that humans organize uh, our collective activity. Right now, we've got the system where people are trying to make money, right? And money is negotiated upfront in transactions where it's like, okay, what's the least that I can pay you to get you to do this job? So I'm, I'm paying you based on your replaceability, not based on the value you create. Uh, and it does a really bad job of valuing certain kinds of people. So if I think uh, I think teachers are probably some of the most valuable people in society uh, in the sense that they really like enable other people to do great things. But in our current system, we value teachers very low because we value them on like how little could we pay somebody else to like show up in this classroom, not based on like how well did you inspire these kids or how well did you educate? Uh, and I think that source cred would start to shift those dynamics if it were like applied at a broader scale where, okay, the cred that you get from inspiring someone who goes to be a brilliant scientist or brilliant artist uh, is worth a lot more than the cred of like helping orchestrate a leveraged uh, buyout of some company. Uh, and I, I think my particularly favorite 
kind of utopian vision for source cred, this is something I want to write about a little bit more on the forums, is that I think source cred could resolve some of the core uh, contradictions in capitalism that are causing capitalism to kind of ruin the Earth's environment. Uh, if we imagine some ecosystem that is actually really vital for human health and happiness, uh, you know, maybe we can kind of imagine like honeybees that are pollinating all of our crops and all of our food. Uh, honeybees can't have a bank account. They can't form like the, you know, joint honeybee stock corporation that is going to raise a bunch of money to spend on lobbyists. And so honeybees and other things in the environment are treated just as a resource to be exploited. Uh, and not necessarily something that we're going to structurally be supporting and being investing in, uh, except insofar as, you know, individuals can own honeybee colonies, but that's really not the same as helping it all on an ecosystem level. And I think from a cred perspective, you don't, things don't need to be human entities or corporations or such to flow cred. And if we were to start trying to model the entire world in terms of the flows of credit and the flows of value, we would realize that things like the environment, which we currently take for granted, are some of the most pivotal entities in that system. And I think that that would switch us from having a system where we try as like second order patches to help the environment. We're like, oh, you know, we'll put a, car a carbon tax or we'll put a subsidy for preserving wildlife. Uh, the protecting the environment would become a first order goal of the system. So the system, I, I want a system that is as like vigorously interested in helping the environment thrive as our current system is vigorously in interested in making iPhones cheap or making Amazon Prime packages show up swiftly. Right. And so uh, and so in this system, you know, would the honeybees uh, be functioning sort of like as a contributor? I mean, do, like, how do they express their will or, or is this just people voting for the honeybees or the honey? So it's another great question. Uh, one of the, the things that I want to do with source cred is use, I, I think in certain sense of source cred as a general purpose incentive compiler, like given that there's some activity that we want to value, source cred gives us a toolkit for being able to measure and recognize that value. And one of the things I want to do with source cred is create systems that reward people for improving the cred attribution within a given community or context. Uh, so to make this a little bit concrete, Let's suppose that we have a uh, a contributor named Chaz, and Chaz is a really brilliant engineer, but just doesn't want to be playing the game of politics of trying to get people to like give them like a higher score within SourceCred. That, that's anathema to them. So I want SourceCred to have to incentivize people to try and make sure other people are getting rewarded fairly. Where if I can see uh, I use the example of Rosalind Franklin a lot. So Rosalind Franklin was uh, one of the co-discoverers of DNA along with Watson and Crick. Uh, but being a woman in, I think, the 50s in American science just kind of got totally ignored, didn't get the Nobel Prize, didn't conclude it on the paper. And I would like it if SourceCred created incentives for people to be looking around and being like, whoa, like Rosalind Franklin, like why is she not getting any cred for this DNA discovery? Like we need to fix this. And then they would be actually like self-interestedly motivated to make sure that Rosalind Franklin got more cred because that's their job and they get rewarded based on how much cred they're able to flow to people who are currently going unrecognized. Uh, so these are, these are people who are kind of like stewards, custodians, curators of the quality of cred and the quality of the attribution. 
And I don't think we're going to wind up in a world with super intelligent honeybees who are themselves sort of playing source cred politics to make sure that they're, they're properly getting cred for all the work that they do. But I do think we could build systems that incentivize other people to make sure, you know, scientists, uh, ecologists, economists to get involved and then help make sure the system is reflecting reality well. Interesting. So just to kind of follow that example of Rosalind Franklin, uh, in, in, this, in, in this system we're imagining, if someone made a good case for her getting more cred, then real power, not just history book footnotes, would flow to the, the Rosalind Franklin node and those around her and her collaborators and whatnot. And so in the real world, um, some power would shift it, like quite profoundly perhaps, is that right? Yep, that's right. Very cool. So here, here's a question for you, Dandelion. Um, you know, you you come from an open source background. Um, your original vision uh, with the CRIT experiment to start, and with other with other ideas that you have, are using source cred within open source projects. Uh, the utopian vision that you just described, the, the the first example that you gave was teachers. Uh, what can can you can you try to can you uh, unpack a little bit? What are the differences between considering uh, something like source cred for an open source project, and what uh, is in the way for it to be used for something that isn't uh, based on kind of concrete contributions to very like discrete projects? Um, like what what are the complications involved in going from open source to you know teachers or to to the honeybee uh, uh, situation that you that you posited? So this question kind of gets at some of my core uh, philosophy about how to deploy, uh, let's call them paradigm shifting technologies. I think that it's, it's very tempting to start and really orient on these like utopian end states uh, and kind of be like, wow, you know, we're going to have this like global reputation network that everyone's participating in that like reflects the value of honeybees and teachers. And uh, once you you actually start to think about it, though, you realize that we're very far from having any idea of how to build that, uh, how to govern it, how to like set it up from a technical foundation, how to make it not into some kind of corporate controlled Yelp for people, mega Facebook, Google, Twitter conglomerate, uh, because that's that's what we know how to build right now. And I think if we did that, we would start to see really profound uh, ethical problems from concentrating the power to run that infrastructure uh, with a single group. Um, so I've, I'm very deliberately focusing all the current work on source cred for this open source use case, because I think it is a case that is small enough that is unserved by existing economic infrastructure, uh, that kind of like has a need for new approaches and has communities of people that are very willing to try new things. Uh, and I essentially think that what we're going to learn over the next few years, we're going to start to get a lot of insights into what are the contradictions in source cred? What are the governance mechanisms we need? Uh, how can it work from a technical standpoint? And having solved that one small problem of using source cred on individual open source projects, we will kind of level up and then be presented with the next challenge. And I think the next challenge is going to be looking at open source, not just as individual projects, but as an ecosystem where projects depend on each other, there are flows of value. And then we need to find some way of governing, uh, you know, gov doing source code governance on individual projects is easy because you're working with one community at a time. And that community can kind of make its own decisions about who are the moderators, who are the leaders, who's in, who's out. Once you switch to an ecosystem, that all becomes enormously harder. 
Uh, and so I think essentially we're just going to, the way that we'll get to figuring out these larger, longer term utopian visions is by one step at a time, finding the next like challenge for source code to get applied to, figuring out how to do it, and then moving another step forward. Well, and another, I think another big development is, 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 is coming up next, which is this manual mode plugin, which will allow us to plug in non-code contributions like teaching a class or whatever. Or hosting a podcast episode. Yes. Much cred needs to flow to this. So my next question is, if source cred fails, what do you think will be the cause? You know, you posted, uh, you posted this, this question over on the discourse. And I've been thinking about it in the past week. And it's actually a pretty challenging question for me. And I think it's, it's challenging in part because I think something like source cred, uh, and where by something like source cred, I mean a way to flow value and credit in the economy and society that is based on something more sophisticated than money. I think it's really needed when you look at the challenges that are facing our world and how I think a lot of them stem from bad incentives created by our, our current systems of power. Uh, and I think it's something whose time is right. If you think about the fact that just in the past decades, we've had this information uh, processing revolution, that means we can start to look at using systems that are much more sophisticated than just like counting the number of dollars in your bank account. Uh, and so in, in a fundamental sense, I think source credit is the right general idea at the right general place. Uh, but you know, on the one hand right now, source cred, I'm its only champion. Like if I were to get hit by a bus, I don't think that source cred would really continue in something like its current state. Uh, and it hasn't yet reached that real point of self-sustaining, uh, progress, uh, where it's like able to like get its own resources and keep on unfolding its own potential. Um, so maybe like something would just go wrong in the next few years and the project would fall apart. Uh, maybe it'll turn out that I, there are some fundamental mistakes in the underlying like conceptual set of source cred, uh, some contradictions that we actually can't work our way out of through like clever governance or clever, you know, community coordination or design. And it's really hard to say what those might be at present. Uh, so I guess to a certain extent, we'll just have to like play this game to find out how it goes. And where do you hope to see the project in six months? I think in six months, I would love it. Like right now, SourceCred is, is going to be much more than just a technology project. But right now we need to build the technology because to do things like properly value this podcast, we need some more technical work done. We need to like be able to give cred to initiatives. We need to be able to like represent initiatives in, in SourceCred itself. Uh, we need to have start ways to have people being able to kind of like vote or support or boost uh, initiatives that they think are important. And that all boils down right now to engineering work. So if in six months, uh, I'm no longer the, the like only person who's really like driving forward a lot of this feature work, uh, to use a term from, uh, that Bino came up with, if there are other like technical champions that are making these kinds of broader features happen within SourceCred, that will give me a lot of confidence that SourceCred is succeeding in being able to mobilize the resources that it needs for its own development. So yeah, we, we need to attract some contributors and get some momentum. Yeah, I think that's already happening. Yeah, I, I definitely see that happening. Yeah, Bino's killing it, for instance. Um, so that's the end of, that's, that's, that's all the questions that I have. Um, Miguel, do you have any 
any questions you want to throw in? Uh, no, that's a that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good wrap up. Um, if anything else, uh, it would be interesting to hear uh, Dandelion speak a little bit about the unique uh, aspects of open source projects that kind of lend uh, lend themselves to 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 an experiment with something like SourceCred. Like, what are the challenges? How is capitalism not serving open source projects, for example? Uh, but we can do that today or next time. You know, I'll I'll take uh, like three or four more minutes to share this industrial revolution metaphor, which is on point, and then we can switch over uh, to just having a community call over in the general voice channel. So, looking back on the industrial revolution, we can see things like trains, like the steam engine, as having been some of the fundamental technologies that changed the world, uh, to put it simply. And I think we might imagine that if we were kind of back in the early days of the Industrial Revolution, let's say we're hanging around in like the early 19th century. So we're just starting to have steam engines. We're just starting to have like the first experiments with trains. We might want to jump to the ending and say, oh, yeah, this is like we're going to build intercontinental railroads. We're going to replace all like, you know, animal or human physical power with increasingly sophisticated machines. Maybe we'll find some nigh magical way to transmit uh, the energy instantaneously across long distances. But the technology wasn't ready when you've got the most primitive steam engine. And this is a point where we don't even understand thermodynamics or really the physics underlying it. So it's all just kind of tinkering experiments that only half work. It, it turns out that the first places where technologies like the steam engine were used was not in moving people long distances, not in revolutionizing existing commerce, but in mining coal. And coal was needed for a non-industrial revolution reason. Uh, specifically, London gets cold in the winter and the island of Great Britain does not have that many trees. And they'd kind of cut down all their available trees to heat up their homes and they needed something new to burn. So they wanted to burn coal. And the problem with coal is that it's in these swampy conditions. And as you start to extract coal, like your, your thing floods, and so the first steam engine was used to pump water out of the ground so you could mine more coal. And even though that steam engine was laughably inefficient because the coal was basically free because it was available, it was like the native resource was there, uh, you could afford to use a really bad steam engine. And then that is the process that started us down the road of learning how to build better steam engines. And similarly, the first trains were used to move coal away from the coal mines and to the towns where it could then hook into the existing distribution network. And I think that broadly speaking, like a lot of, if we look at the whole like cryptocurrency and Web3 movement in general, there have been a lot of attempts to build the intercontinental railroad kind of systems where we're going to build this like global computer for everyone. We're going to build this global payment system. Uh, but the technology is still really immature. It still scales very badly. Uh, it's still really hard for people to use from a usability standpoint. Uh, private key management is really a difficult challenge for folks, including myself. Uh, and so I think that's why I see open source as the ideal place to start getting these technologies to work, because it is kind of like the coal mine. It's this place where on the one hand, all of your resources are natively available. Open source is all about people collaborating on software projects. And so if you can get good at that, then you can use it to improve the software tools that you're trying to, uh, trying to build. Uh, it's kind of digital native in the sense that we don't need to persuade people to adopt entirely new workflows that leave metadata traces for things like source cred. People are just natively already working in public on GitHub in a way where we can get the data. Uh, and so I think that's, that's why I see it as the ideal place to start.
Yeah, and it, it can definitely feel like freezing to death in the winter with no wood. So looks like we're out of time here, but if anyone out there wants to get involved with SourceCred or just check it out, head over to sourcecred.io. There you'll find the forums, chat, GitHub, Twitter, all that good stuff. And we'll see you again next time.